Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert-Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in Chicago with a different special guest every week. Today I am joined by a wonderful musician, a fellow bass and brass player, Jonathan Weller. Hello. How are you? So good. Good. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you. How would you describe a ghost? Ooh, a ghost? Um, I don't know. I'm super. You, I'm super skeptical when it comes to the ghost. Right. Thing. So, like, my first thing that always comes to mind is like Casper. Of course. Yeah. And like <laughs> that's like straight up. I do not believe in Casper the friendly ghost. Yeah. And just, yeah. Like, even just general hauntings. Okay. So the like the super religious part of me like yeah. things like okay like demons mm-hmm. that sort of thing like yeah we talk about the Holy Ghost in Christianity right right, so, right. like that's what I think of when it comes well my first thought is Casper and right. I'm like stupid <laughs> and then. The other part, I'm like, which probably other people are like, this is also stupid. But, like, it's, like, the religious <laughs> stuff that I'm like, yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah. Like, Moaning Myrtle in I mean, Harry Potter. you haven't heard some weird things in a bathroom. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. not screaming like Moaning Myrtle, right. but you're right. <laughs> Do you know any Chicago ghost anything? Folklore? I, don't, I feel like every theater claims they're haunted, right? Oh, yeah. So even the, um, <laughs> I, don't know, I hope no one from my high school is listening to this, but, so I went to Hinsdale South. Mm-hmm. So that's like 20 miles straight west of Chicago. Right, right. And about 10, 20 years before I went there, mm-hmm. there was a kid who like super tragically drowned in one of the ponds Damn. near school, right? Super sad. And there was like a, lots of awards and like scholarships given to this guy's name. Gotcha. He was a theater kid. Of course. The, um... So, like, it's still, if you, I think, if you go to the Hinsdale South, like, lobby in their theater, uh-huh. and they've got all the pictures of their actors, uh-huh. there's one picture that's in color, and it's him. So, gotcha. you're always going to leave him up, right? I never knew him, but to be honest, when you go there a certain amount of time after some tragedy's happened, like, you know, right, right, you don't right. have the connections. So yeah, yeah. We're terrible people. But <laughs> our theater director was convinced that he lived in the catwalks. And, like, so basically, anytime there was something wrong with the lights, I can't remember his name. If it was Ben, he was like, she'd go, Ben, stop doing that. <laughs> and I was sitting there with, like, Charlie Brown costume. <laughs> or, like, Linus, you know, suck my thumb with my blanket going, like, that's stupid. That's silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because first off, like, if that's a thing, why would he come back to the high school auditorium a couple miles away right. and live in the light system? No, I I have definitely, I mean, every, like you said, every theater has stories like that, yeah. for sure. But none specifically, like, downtown Chicago area. Downtown. I mean, the auditorium theater that we went to college in, everyone was like, that's Probably. creepy or Yeah, everyone something. says that it's haunted, right? Yeah, yeah, I, it's always locked when, we're, when we were going there, so it's not <laughs> like, I mean, I think I wandered, wandered it once at night, and it was creepy, but it's a dark but theater, it's an old, dark so, building, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you believe in ghosts in the sense, when it's related to religion, or even is yeah. that kind of like a... Yeah, I don't like. I don't necessarily think I believe in just like passive ghosts. Well, what society? Like when you go to a horror movie, what you what we portray yeah. as like a 
apparition or whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe gotcha. in that. I don't believe necessarily in like the unfinished business right, right, or right. like I was wrong and so I'm going to stick around. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. Well, today... So I'm the perfect person for your ghost podcast. <laughs> no, you're uh, <laughs> you're not the only one that's skeptical that I've had on. So you're, uh, you're just one of many. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're going to be focusing more on true crime today than ghosts. I mean, it definitely leads to a ghost experience, mm-hmm. some, some may say. But we're going to focus heavily on true crime today. And today, John, we're going to be talking about the death and haunting outside the biograph theater biograph theater i don't know where that is because it's really old and doesn't exist any longer Uh, but (laughs) it is now called the victoria gardens theater i feel like i have heard of that lincoln park i'm gonna look it up on my phone okay which will be great for your podcast no perfect (laughs) if you're going to depaul or you're wandering (laughs) lincoln park do you know where um lincoln hall is the live concert hall it's like across the street think so yeah okay if you're walking east towards the lake in lincoln park you like get off the red line you start heading east okay. away from depaul mm-hmm. and it's that six corner stop where yep. if you like take a left direct left and it's diagonal mm-hmm. street it's like up there okay all right i got you if that helps anybody listening or even you <laughs> it helps <laughs> <picture>. me <laughs> but it back then it was the biograph theater and it was a movie theater today it's like plays okay cool. musicals things like that but we're going back to 1934, July 22nd. An American gangster, John Dillinger, exited the Biograph movie theater just after 10 p.m. after seeing the crime drama Manhattan Melodrama with a couple of female companions. First off, I love that like a gangster is going to see a gangster movie. Right? <laughs> He's like, my life is not gangster enough. <laughs> I need more crime in my life. And after you hear the whole story... He still wanted more crime, and I don't know why, but... With his female companion. With female companion, that probably would have been itself a crime. Right? Multiple female companions. Well, multiple, and I imagine... Well, I don't, maybe they were not paid. Um, We'll get we'll get into we'll get it. Into we'll that. get into that. <laughs> not that, like, that's wrong. Me, no, like, but... Let me, like, put my woke flag up. <laughs> not that that's wrong, but... But it's 1934. Yeah. Exactly. As he stepped outside, he made eye contact with the Bureau of Investigation agent who had just lit a cigar. Dillinger glanced across the street to see several other agents waiting for him. He ran into the nearest alley, which is like north, like up a couple like buildings, mm-hmm. and take a right. And as he entered the alley, he found more agents waiting for him. Three agents followed Dillinger into the alley, firing their weapons once he's once he was trapped. Dillinger was hit four times in the back, fell face first to the ground, and died. John Dillinger died from a bullet that entered through the back of his neck, exiting through his right eye. Oh my gosh, that's Which, brutal. yeah, it's not a nice, <laughs> clean... I was about to ask, like, when these things happen with, like, multiple gunshot wounds, like, how do they figure, like, oh, this is the one that killed them. Right. But it went through his eye. Yeah, I think right. that one's that's a little one. more... <laughs> Yeah, the one that just got, like, stuck in his back or something, I don't think. I think they said that the other three were, like, superficial. Like, they didn't mm. go, like, through and They didn't right. go through or anything. I do love the concept of a superficial bullet wound. Right. <laughs> it's only a scratch. It's, a it's flesh only wound. a flesh wound. Um, <laughs> he died without saying a single word. So, unfortunate. Well, okay. It's unfortunate because he was known as, like, 
America's favorite gangster. Yeah, like I've definitely heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he's very popular. Um, unfortunate in that aspect, not unfortunate because he like robbed a ton of banks and murdered people. Yeah, so it's kind of like, person. yeah. I'm not pro death penalty, but <laughs> exactly, it's like. Mm. But the BOA, the Bureau of Investigation, which later became the FBI, okay. they took it a little far. And back then, they didn't really have as many rules and regulations. So oh, they kind of they work so well now. The rules. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna take it back to see how we got here. I've previously talked about two prohibition gang hauntings with Al Capone and such, but. Mm-hmm. It is 1934, so Prohibition was over at this point. Also, John Dillinger's gang was active from 1933 to 1934, so they didn't really care for bootlegging all that much. That wasn't their, like, thing. So, instead of focusing on that, they focused more on bank robbing through the Midwest during and immediately after the Great Depression. As I think many people did, buying Clyde, et cetera. Right. Because nobody had money, and the only way to really get money was to pick up. Before we get into the gangs, like what the gangs did and their like dealings and stuff, I want to start off talking about John Dillinger himself, mm-hmm. since he was the leader of the gang, and his his life is wild. John Dillinger was born in 1903 in Indianapolis, unfortunately. <laughs> His sister was 14 years older than him, so when his mother died, when it was a big gap. I don't know if it was an oops or what, but 14 years is a while. And then he also grew up, like, during World War One. Yeah. Which that had to be a nuts time to grow up. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, his mother died when he was four, unfortunately, so his sister took care of him. Yeah, with... been 18, yeah. See that math? Quick math. See, you got it. Math. I haven't taken math in a while, so Shoot quick math. math isn't my thing. I just but... got given the budget worksheet for my department for next <laughs> year, and I looked at our finance person at a meeting this afternoon and it went, Heather, I'm going to need some help. Yep. I'm a musician. <laughs> exactly. I count to four and I do fractions. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't so need more than that. <laughs> now i got to make financial decisions? No. No, thank you. No, that's a lot. Back then, I don't know how much financial decisions they were making, because it's <laughs> 19, you know, he's four, so it's 1907. His sister's taking care of him now because his mom passed away, right. and she got married um, at 18. Um, and their father was known for being harsh and using beatings as a way to teach his children discipline. So, I guess as you did back then. Spare the rod and all that. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly the quote that they brought up when I was reading about Yo. this. So <laughs> He eventually remarried his father and had three more children. But growing up, Dillinger was always in trouble for fighting or petty theft, so he quit school in his teens and began working at a machine factory. I mean, so clearly the beatings worked. I mean, he quit school, so, he yeah. He quit school <laughs> and then ended up, like, fronting a gang. He, he, so clearly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Plus, it never said if he if the dad was, like, abusive towards his older sister or the other three kids. So it kind of makes me believe that, like, if he's 14 years younger, he's like, I do not want this kid type right. of thing. And that's kind of what it, but just like that guy, that guy could fuck off. I don't know. But <laughs> he, like, quit school, was working at a factory, and his father, though, his father didn't like him working in Indianapolis in the city. You know, he didn't like him as a city slicker. Oh, yeah. So he picked up and moved his entire family to this, like, tiny town outside Indianapolis. 
hoping that this would somehow change him and he would stop getting in trouble, stop petty theft, I guess. Right. But it's like, Dad, you're like the kind of reason why. (laughs) So. (laughs) That didn't change Dillinger's attitude, of course, and probably made it worse. So in 1922, he was arrested for auto theft. So he's going from petty theft, now we're into auto theft. (laughs) Upgrade! And his his relationship with his father deteriorated, of course. Because he stole his car, probably. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> so he had to practice hot wiring on his dad's car. If if I was moved to the middle of nowhere, I would absolutely <laughs> steal a car to get back to the city if that's, like, what it takes. There was um, one point growing up where my, uh, I think my dad almost got a job. I can't remember with what company. Right. But it would have been a company where we'd moved to, like, middle of nowhere, Nebraska. Oh, no. And I only found out after the fact he turned right. the job down and, like, apparently we were close to moving, but he said no. And I remember, like, I was probably like a punk kid. I was like, well, I wouldn't have moved if we were going there, right. which is probably super annoying for my parents to be like, shut up, <laughs> exactly. we're trying to get you a better life. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. Do you want any kind of money? We're going. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, my mom grew up, she was born in Kentucky, but then moved to Illinois, and then moved to St. Louis, then moved back to Illinois because my grandpa was a salesman and had to move oh, okay, and yeah. stuff like that. So I couldn't. Like, it's fine if you're going from St. Louis, like Cincinnati, St. Louis, Chicago. Yeah. But anytime it's like middle Nebraska, middle Dakotas, right. whatever the case may be, that's a little much. So that's like here, living here. So I moved here. So it's what month is it now? It's June. Yeah. I moved down here last August. So it's almost been a year, which almost is Almost a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like moving down here, like having for the previous seven years lived in the city of Chicago. Yeah. And then like even before that, grow up in the suburbs where it's like. My individual suburb may have been a smaller population than Quincy's. Quincy's 40,000. Right. But, like, it, you can't tell where this suburb no. of 20,000 and this <laughs> suburb of 30,000 exactly. starts. Like, yeah. So, yeah, moving down here, like, it's funny. I get, like, people look at me as the city boy all the time here. They're talking about, like, farm <laughs> equipment. I'm like, wait, what's that? And they just look at me with disdain. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't grow up around farm equipment. But, but I can tell you how to get around the city real quick. If you ever go to Chicago, I would have I have it covered for you. Very limited skill set. <laughs> Music and city living. That's it. <laughs> um, so Dillinger obviously did not want to be there, so he enlisted in the Navy and was placed on the USS Utah. So this is probably going to go into this, but like I always find it incredible when like people who like grow up with like troubled right. youths. Mm-hmm. Join the military, right? Who are all about discipline. Yeah, like I know some people like do it like as a punishment, like you're going right. to jail or you're going to go to the military, right? But like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a way to get out of a situation you're in because they'll pay for everything. That's true. So I totally get that aspect of it. But you're right. It's like I want to be free and I want to do what I want, and then it's like, but you're not. But you're gonna get yelled at by some sergeant major for twenty right. minutes because exactly. you like slipped. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Dillinger didn't pull that shit because the moment they ship docked in Boston, he peaced out. He ab- he oh, he left. Oh man! <laughs> and he was dishonorably disar- yeah. discharged, of course. But uh, unfortunately, he eventually made his way back to Indiana, where if like you're gonna peace out from the Navy, you might as well like go live your life in Boston. In Boston, this is such a cool city. I love exactly. Boston. But then he yeah he went back to Indiana. Maybe do you think? We're just crapping hard on Indiana. <laughs> I mean, but we're from Chicago. Right. <laughs> do you think, like, at that point, I wonder if, like, Indianapolis was, like, happening in place at that point? Um, I can't imagine Indianapolis being a happening place at any point. <laughs> but 
I'm sure it was like factory heavy, you know. I'm sure it was like for sure, yeah. Bustling and like a lot going on, yeah. But maybe not a fun type of atmosphere, but more right. like work heavy. Yeah. But more fun than the cornfields, I bet. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so after he moved back to Indiana, he got married. And <laughs> I wrote here, and I wrote this a few days ago, but you may think a woman's presence would help, but alas, it did not. <laughs> Look at you, Mr. Like 1950s. <laughs> um, no. You'd like match it into her wifely duties and have the dinner ready. And <laughs> you have changed since college. Like... <laughs> No, I was at least hoping that she would, like, whip him into shape, be like, you need to, like, get your shit together, you know? Like, I'm out here doing A, B, and C, and you can't find a job. Yeah. That's legit. I'd be pissed if I married someone and they were like, I'm just going to sit over here. I've had roommates who were like, why are the dishes still out? I'm like, I only ate that last night. It's lunch today. Why are you mad? Why are you mad, though? (laughs) Um... No, but, I mean, he turned, it's it's hard because it's the Great Depression. So, like, he right. can't find a job, as nobody can find a job. So, I can't I can't give him too much shit for it, but it's like, yeah, at least do something other than robbing banks. I mean, he's not robbing banks yet, but, like, we know where it's headed. We, <laughs> he's already stealing cars. Exactly. But at this point, after being married and, like, moving back to Indiana and not being able to find a job, he planned his first robbery with a friend. And they robbed a grocery store stealing $50. Back in then. So today's yeah, money, it would, it would be $780. That's a decent little. That's not bad. I feel like that's, I think not, enough, that's not enough to be worth the risk. That's what I was going to say. Like, 780 is nice. And back then, it could probably go far, especially in the Great Depression. But right. you're right. If you're going to go to jail for it. Like, I'm not going to be mad if somebody pays me that. I'll get more stimulus money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's half a stimulus right there. Well, they were arrested. Also, how do you go, like, maybe it's just because I'm super blessed enough to have not been to the point where, like, I've been that desperate for money. Right. But, like, I can't imagine getting to the point in life, and maybe it is just, like, a desperation to where you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to go rob a bank. Yeah, I think it's definitely, there are moments where people are desperate, yeah. and they're like, I seriously have no other, I don't know what, I've exhausted A, B, C, and D. Yeah. Um, I do think that there are those handful of people who think it's fun, and just well, like just it like for- the the, adrenaline junkies. The, exactly. Some people jump off cliffs. Yeah. Some people climb Mount Everest. Some people rob banks. For 750 bucks. Rob grocery stores for 780 bucks. Oh, 80. Sorry, that $30. <laughs> $780 a grocery store. And they were arrested for assault and battery with intent to rob. Only intent to rob? That That's didn't make I think part of I think the one of the people working there got hit over the head or something, but Oh, and that was the more serious charge. Exactly. I think I think that's what it was. But Dillinger was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, which for me seems kind of high for 50 bucks, 10 to 20 years. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they brought the hammer down hard on yeah. that guy. I mean, it's like people who smoke and stuff like that, or smoke weed or whatever. It's like, yeah, you're going to go to jail for that? For that long? <laughs> for, like, right. sitting at home? I don't know. It's like when kids, like, working with kids a lot, when they get in trouble for something dumb. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not even mad. 
about what you did. You were just so dumb about it. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got caught. So yeah. I looked at you. Yeah. Like, so this 10 to 20 this 10 to 20 years in prison isn't for the stealing it's for getting caught like <laughs> you were that stupid you were so stupid to get caught you deserve the 20 years <laughs> while in prison Dillinger became friends with other bank robbers of course who not only taught him the tricks of the trade but they all began planning heists that they eventually oh, that. would enact after being released that, I love that like obviously like criminal justice in like you know, reform is such a tri- tricky thing. Yeah, but like, yeah, the idea that we're like, hey, all these people that are bad at, <laughs> are terrible, and people and do this one specific thing, we're gonna put them together. <laughs> yeah, and they're not gonna talk about it. No, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I imagine the first thing you probably do when you get in there, like, there's the jokes like about it, like, oh, what are you in for? Exactly. Like, yes. oh, bank robber. Me too. Yes. How did you do it? Oh, that's how you got caught. Uh-huh. Which, like, <laughs> and I've listened to other podcasts where they've talked to like prisoners and stuff, uh-huh. and you always end up in the groups with like-minded and, li- you know, right, not just like-minded, like, but like people. Yeah. Because you have the most in common. So, yeah. of course, that's what who you're going to gravitate to to survive prison with and, Bank like, be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> also, are you on, um, on prison TikTok? No. I don't understand it. Because, like, how do these guys, maybe they're in, like, a low-security one where they're allowed to have prisons yeah, yeah, yeah. or phones, but, like, how are you guys just making TikToks in prison? It's the hidden phone in the toilet or whatever they wherever they hide it. But, like, but... then when you think that, like, the security, like, guards, yeah. prison workers be like, hey, that's Tony. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, I walked through the background of that one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an excellent question. I'm very curious because I've heard of them, but, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. No, but you can for sure see, like, why, like, that system doesn't work for people. Yeah, yeah. Because they're in, like, Cook County is not a nice place. I know it's right. not meant to be. <laughs> right, but. But you can, like, it's such an oppressive, like, but, even me is, like, I'm such, like, a rule follower. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> Unless I disagree with the rules. And then I'm, like, this is stupid. I'm yeah, doing yeah, my yeah. own thing. But, like, if I'm, like, yes, these are good rules, then I'm, like. Yeah. But, like, me walking around, I'm, like, yeah, I want to do something wrong like, right. like it's just, it's just something about the environment where you're like yeah and it's a very like depressing almost environment well they preach so heavily you know that reform mm-hmm. and it's just not like that's a great thought and yeah. it's great on paper but it's but you've got to do something to help these guys reform themselves you exactly. can't just stick them in a room with other people who have done the same thing to get in there and expect them to go this is a shame we're here. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're going to go, no, like, this sucks right here. <laughs> when I get out, I'm going to do it better and not get caught. Right. And in the 19, early 1930s, I'm sure police reform back then was not a thing. And it's, we're just going to toss everybody in jail and yeah. figure it out. Yeah, even less than it is now. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. So, so John Dillinger is in jail for stealing 50 bucks. And he meets all these other bank robbers. And their names are Harry Pete Perpon. Charles Mackley, Russell Clark, and Homer Van Meter. Those are great names. They're great names. Like, were you just, like, born with a gangster name? You were like, oh, you are destined to be a gangster. Dillinger also studied the lamb techniques for bank robbing, and I'm going to explain lamb techniques because I'm sure a lot of people do not know. Lamb is in, like... L-A-M-M. Oh, okay. So not, like, the animal or food. No. We're not talking about the baby sheep. But Herman Lamb who was a bank robber, 
that immigrated from to the U.S. from Prussia, and while he was in prison for a holdup, he created his bank robbing technique. So, I mean, you do have a lot of time in prisons. So you might as well do something. I love that. Like, yeah. we talk about people who are like, oh, I went away and studied this, like, the Suzuki method of music. Right. I went away and studied, like, this very specific kind of meditation from this Buddhist monk or something. And then I went and studied prison. Yeah. Like, I went and studied, <laughs> went to this prison and studied the Lamb method of bank robbery. Of bank robbery, yeah. <laughs> um, at that time, most bank robberies were improvised, so some would work and others would fail. Like, it was like a hit or miss type deal. What a crazy idea. Like, I have no bank robbery experience, but I would be like, we should have a plan. You'd have something other than ski mask, gun, give me your money. Right. <laughs> so Lam wanted to take the guesswork out of it, obviously, so he began casing banks beforehand and coming up with escape plans in case of an emergency or something unexpected arose. He was meticulous and stressed the importance of time. So he assigned each gang member a section of the bank and a task and would have everyone rehearse before the robbery. <laughs> and no matter how much money they took, they left after a certain amount of time. I love the, the idea that there's this like nerdy bank robber. Yes. And, like, all the guys are like, this guy's such a square. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, we have to rehearse again. Did anybody check their spreadsheets? I spent I sent on an update. Practice makes perfect. Yeah, check your email. I sent it in Google Docs. <laughs> Bank layout. Um, in 1930, he had a botched robbery. This is still Herbin Lamb. So, in 1930, he had a botched bo- robbery after stealing over $15,000. Way more than $50. So, so 15 like, like, back then dollars. Yes. 15000 back That's then dollars. That's a crap ton of money. Good for him. His driver panicked, though, and drove over a curb, popping one of the tires. Ooh. Could you imagine? You're like, ah, I've got all this money. This is incredible. You did what? I'd be livid. I'd be so mad. But this is what kills me, and this is like pure camp gold, and this should be in a movie, I swear to God. <laughs> they tried to, they tried, ta- like, they got out of the car that they tried escaping because uh-huh. they had a flat tire. They tried three other vehicles before finding a truck with only a gallon left in the tank. <laughs> that's, that is, yeah, that's slapstick. And each car had something wrong with it. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's, uh, yeah, that's Three Stooges. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they got to Slidell, Illinois from Indiana and where they had a shootout with 200 police slash citizens. 200, first off, slash citizens. Yes. That's nuts enough. Yes. Two hundred. So how many? So how many guys were? There were, I think, six. Six versus two hundred. Yeah. Those are odds. Yes. Well, two members died because they were shot. Lamb, who's the leader, and another member shot themselves because they didn't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. And then two others were arrested. So insane. That's nuts. That's Herman Lamb's story. But he was the one that created this, like, technique of, like, casing beforehand, uh-huh. having plans, rehearsing, etc. Right. And so Dillinger made a point of studying those techniques while he was in prison for his $50. Because he's like, I will never be arrested for $50, for $50 ever $50. again. It's <laughs> just stupid amount again. <laughs> exactly. So back to Dillinger. Nine and a half years later, Dillinger was paroled. So he, didn't, he, never, sold, he never did the 10 to 20. He did nine and a half years. But because he was released in the height of the Great Depression, there wasn't any jobs again. So, so of course he's going to turn to crime. Exactly. I mean, 
A, think about how hard it is to find a job in the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Now you're a felon trying to find a job in the right. Great Depression. It'll never happen. It's I, hard. I don't think there are any halfway houses at no, this point. I don't think so. Plus, try, uh, today it's hard to find a job as a felon. Right. I can't even imagine in 1930s during the Great Depression. Ugh. So he turned back to crime, of course, and then on June 21st, 1933, John Dillinger robbed his first bank, taking $10,000. It's a little more like it. Yes, which is 205000 today. Good for him. When he <laughs> tried a different bank, though, a few months later, Did he, he kill was anybody? arrested. Not yet. Okay, because I was I need to retract my good for him if he No, no, anybody. no. Right now we're just at bank robbing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thank good for him. Exactly. <laughs> he got his $10,000, but then when he tried it a few months later, he was arrested again. But this time he was prepared to be arrested. Because four days after he was imprisoned, friends from t- from the time he first was in prison showed up dressed as police officers, shot the sheriff, and killed the sheriff, and then freed John and three others in prison. And they all escaped back to Indiana from Ohio, where they started the first Dillinger gang, consisting of Perpon, Clark, and Mackley, which we, I talked about earlier, and then Shue, Copeland, and Red Hamilton. I can't even get a reply on Bumble. And this guy has friends. Breaking him out of prison four days after he's arrested. What? What a guy. Imagine. What friends like that. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, uh, they shot, they killed the sheriff. So they should, so grand, maybe but. not that great. <laughs> but I, the planning, the planning is impeccable. <laughs> they, no fucking around. They were like, we got to break him out right yeah. now. But that's when the, that's how the gang was started. So now we got like six guys in the first Dillinger gang. The, Dillin, the Dillinger gang is said to have robbed at least twelve banks and two police stations, which is police stations ballsy. Yeah, that is so ballsy. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I love that. And they also succeeded in three jailbreaks. Three. That is so impressive. Most people try and then die trying to escape or don't ever escape, and it's like they did it three times. I like. I screw up walking. <laughs> like I would like walk down the street and then like trip over nothing. <laughs> I would I wouldn't have survived in that gang. I once I start getting into more detail about some of the things they did, I probably wouldn't either. Like it's too much. They robbed around twelve banks and collectively took three hundred and twenty four thousand dollars, which in today's money is six point six million. Jeez. In less than a year. As great as that sounds, they murdered at least 10 people and wounded seven. That is less great. And due to the increase in violence from the gang, the BOI, the Bureau of Investigation, mm-hmm. which I said later became the FBI, they got involved at this point because violence started to... Yeah. And also, like, you you, you know, steal six million bucks. Yeah. Somebody's going to notice The that. government's not too happy about money being taken. No. Did you... So John Mulaney, his stand up yeah. when he talks about like bank robbers mm-hmm. and how they like would shoot up the place and like tell him it was, you know, John Dillinger that sent like, Right. Think, were they still doing this or I wonder if he's like trying to keep it on the DL. Uh he did have a lot of aliases, but at this point I think it's definitely on the DL. But as it goes on, he really just doesn't give two shits after a while. He's like, Everybody knows who I am. It's like it is what it is type of deal. <laughs> Because there is a time where he just walks in without a mask or anything. And he's just like, give me your money. <laughs> you know who I am. I don't come in here for legit stuff. Yeah. He's like, I don't even have to write a sign. I don't even have to tell you. Just like, do what you know what you got to do. 
Which would be inconvenient if you're trying to legitimately buy a house and you got to walk yeah. in and sign a mortgage. Everyone's like, ah, like, no, 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 this one's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm, like, I'm here to open the savings account for yeah, my child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I found interesting is the chief of the BOI at this point is J. Edgar Hoover. Uh-huh. So he created a special task force to deal with the Dillinger gang. And he used this task force as a way to turn the BOI into the FBI mm. and to further his career, of course. Right. He, there had to be some pride. He's sitting there like, oh, in yeah. his like, you can like see the movie, right? Like yeah. he's like smoky room. <laughs> They're all sitting there with their like, those rounded collar shirts, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. with like the cigars and going yeah. like, hey, John, look, <laughs> they made a task force for you. I can't. That's my fifties accent, by the way, wasn't it? That was beautiful. Thank you. I have a good degree in voice. I'm incredibly. <laughs> I respect it because I'm not very good at. Uh, no, accents, I'm so, so bad at accents. <laughs> okay, so. East Chicago, Indiana. I don't know if you've ever been. I have. There's, yeah. I've been I have there not. quite a few times. Well, hey, look at that. There's a, partially because there's a Salvation Army church there. Gotcha. Well, there was also a robbery there. Doctor, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that was also not a past tense thing. I'm sure. <laughs> well, right. I've been to East Chicago. <laughs> uh, the John Dillinger one did not go as smoothly, though. Um, they left with all the money, which is great, but a police officer was murdered and a gang member was shot in the hand. So he's bleeding everywhere, right? The gang very inconsiderate of him. Very rude. I mean, at <laughs> least wrap yourself, man. At least wrap something around it. I don't know. Get it together. But <laughs> the gang could feel the BOI and the Chicago PD closing in, so they escaped to Florida to hide out. Which is, I mean, hey, I, yeah, I like why people like escape to somewhere where it's not nice. Yeah, ex- I say like, that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on the run. <laughs> Let's go to Disney. Eventually, they moved from Florida to Texas, and then after Texas, they made it to Tucson, Arizona. So right now, they're, like, chilling in Tucson. Unfortunately, and some weird circumstance, their hotel caught on fire, and after the firefighters came, all the, you know, gangs are like, hey, we still got our bags up there, which I'm sure had money in them yeah. and stuff like that. They're like, here's 12 bucks. Can you go up there and grab our bags instead of, like, just putting the fire out or letting it, like, burn our <laughs> shit? And because of that, the firefighters, like, recognize the gang members from, like, this massive, like, wide search for them. And so they obviously alerted the authorities. So then after that, one by one, Clark, Mackley, Perpont, and Dillinger were arrested and brought back to Indiana or for uh, to be sentenced. And Dillinger was sentenced to a prison in Indiana where the other three were sentenced to a prison in Ohio. Right, so they things. split them up. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course you split up. The leader and the rest, yeah. That's like classroom management 101. Yes. Like, little Timmy is screwing around. They finally learned some kind of lesson after yes. <laughs> imprisoning them once. But... It's because they got a teacher involved. That's what it was. You know, teachers solve all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Pay your teachers more. True. I won't get too into that, but... That's um, our next podcast. Too. Yes. <laughs> So Clark got life, while Mackley and Perpon got the death penalty. Hmm. So Clark had a better lawyer, probably. probably. Um, however, they tried to escape with fake guns made of soap. And they said they painted them black so they looked more like guns, but it's still kind of hard to believe. It was a great plan until it started raining. And then the soap fell apart. Until they, like, got close enough to the guns, and they're like, is that Dove that I smell? (laughs) I smell something nice. 
Uh, Macklin was killed while they were trying to escape, and Perpon eventually was executed because he had the death penalty. Clark, who got life, was eventually released, um, so he didn't actually serve life. It wasn't his life. It was somebody else's Apparently. life. Apparently. <laughs> he made a deal with the devil. <laughs> once uh, once Mike Orther dies, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, I, I keep saying unfortunately because it sucks that they died, but like they're not great people. Yeah, it's so it's, it's kinda... such a, that's such a tricky thing where you like, yeah, like, I don't, I was, when like terrible people die. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about like, I don't know, I feel like there was somebody recently, like a terrible world leader who died. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, hooray! Yeah. And I was like, I see your point. Yeah. But I feel like I don't want to celebrate somebody's death. Yeah. I have a heart. I'm I'm against the death penalty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, because of the show Major Crimes, I don't know if you ever watched it. Yeah. They, it takes place in California in like early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, is it like real or is it like a drama? No, no, no. It's like, uh, yeah, it's dramatized police show. Okay. Um, but they use the death penalty as a way, as a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. So we'll take the death penalty off the table so you serve life. Right. That type of thing. Whereas okay. if the death penalty wasn't there, it'd be like, instead of serving life, we'll let you serve 50 years. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to have it in that sense where it's like these people who should serve life are serving life. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard because I also don't agree with it. So it's a yeah, right. double-edged sword for sure. But... I had a hard time watching, like, the Ted Bundy tapes. I don't know if you were watching it. I feel like I went to watch it once, Yeah, and I just never did. I mean, Ted Bundy's a horrible person. Yeah. Shitty-ass person. Is that the one, like, Zac Efron played him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But not that. There was a documentary that came out, and then oh, okay. his dramatization of that oh, okay, right, came right. out later. But uh, when he was being executed, there were literally people in T-shirts and, like, celebrating and, like, like fry him or whatever. And it's like, this is... N- I hated seeing yeah. that. It was it was a weird conflicting inside me because I was like, I do not like what I'm seeing here. Right. And, like, we've already talked about, like, me being, like, a very religious person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm pretty sure in the Bible, like, it says, like, don't celebrate people's death. Yeah. It's not a great... And, look. like, just from, the, like, me as a religious person, right, like, part of my, like, goal in life is to, you know, to witness to other people. Right? Yeah. And to, like, get them on our side. Um, right. And if somebody's died before we've been able to do that, yeah. then, like, we've failed. And, like, so I never understand why, like, people in general celebrate deaths, but especially when you, like, other Christians. Yeah. And I see them celebrating somebody's death. I'm like, no, that means we we screwed up. We didn't yeah. get our chance to do... Yeah. It's hard. But also, some people are terrible. So. Yeah. So it's kind of like, after that, it's like, well, that's out of my hands. And I'm, yeah, right. It won't right. affect my life, but it does suck sometimes. But this guy, Clark, he was he was sentenced for life but got out early and then died from cancer a few months after he was released. Oh, I wonder if that's why he got released early. They're like, he's That could very well be, yeah. I mean, they still, they do that all the time, I think. At least house arrest or something like that, where mm-hmm. like, you can go lay Just in a go die in peace, bed. Yeah. Uh, Dillinger, on the other hand, escaped his Indiana prison. <laughs> of course he did. By producing a pistol out of who knows, nobody knows how he got a pistol. Someone said they, like, snuck it into him. Others said he carved one out of wood. It's, like, so many theories, but somehow he had a pistol. I love, like, just the absolute balls it takes yes. <laughs> to, like, walk up to a person with a real gun with something made out of wood. Right. Like, get out of my way. And he escaped without firing a single shot. Because I think he took one of the guards or something hostage and then just, like, walked out. I was about to say I want that kind of reputation. I don't, 
But like, <laughs> <laughs> like I would love to like you, know, you walk in a room and people are like, oh, that's that guy. Right. Like whatever it is. Like hopefully it's not like oh, that's that. Not out of person. fear, but yeah. out of like, like respect. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Walk and be like, oh, here comes that murdering music director again. (laughs) (laughs) There's a there's a show, the murdering music director. That'd be so good. That'd be good. I'm gonna write that down. Yes. (laughs) Uh, This is this is the escape that really led to a nationwide manhunt of Dillinger, though, because at this point, escaped twice. People have murdered. Millions of dollars have Mm -hmm. gone missing. Uh, He met up with Red Hamilton. And new members for more bank robberies. So he's like, my original members have died or arrested. Let me meet up with new people and continue and, you know, this. The sequel's never as good as the original. It just is never as good. Never. The reunion is never as good. You're Speaking right. of reunions. The reboots are never as good. I wrote his new members for bank robbing and that he can't quit it is basically an addiction at this point. Like we were talking oh, about earlier, yeah. it's like yeah, not yeah. out of necessity. You have millions of dollars now, right? Or what thousands at least. Um, it's an addiction. You do it for fun. Yeah. You know, you've been in jail twice now. Like you just want to do it. Right. That's cool. I well, not cool, but like. But yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing it for the love of it. Exactly. It's his passion. <laughs> so the BOI found Dillinger and some of the gang members hiding out in an apartment complex. There was a shootout, of course, causing Dillinger to get shot in the calf. He escaped and was laid up in a doctor's office for four days. He kind of hops around in the Midwest, like, avoiding the BOI and stuff like that. Because he got shot in the calf and he can't walk properly, right? So he hops. Mm -hmm. I did not intend that pun, but I'm glad you brought it up. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) But he spends some time in Chicago where his girlfriend is arrested because she's associated with him, which kind of becomes John Dillinger's last straw. He, he's kind of like, okay, now you've gone too far. You've arrested my girlfriend. Yeah. What do you expect me to do without my girlfriend type of deal? And he robs a police station. Is this the same girlfriend all the way through? Not the married one. Oh, okay. I They never said what happened to her. It just seems like they either, like got divorced or maybe she passed away or something because of the Great Depression. I don't know what the story is. Cause of death. The Great Depression. Yeah. <laughs> that would... That's a good one. But yeah, Dillinger's girlfriend is arrested so he gets pissed so he robs a police station to obtain weapons and bulletproof vests. And after that, they escape to Wisconsin. But once again, the BOI finds them. And once again, they escape because... <laughs> BOI were not that good yet. Exactly. They apparently did not have good training. <laughs> I don't get it, but... Or Dillinger's just that good. I mean, he was called Slippery John as well, so... Another great nickname. Another this great nickname. This is my nickname. fish petition. <laughs> we're bringing back nicknames. Good. You start it. I'm all on board. I got you. You never started saying what it do while we were in college, so I don't know I didn't. if you're going to follow up on your nickname thing. If you didn't follow me on that trend... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'd like to say I would, but <laughs> it's got to be, if it was really cool, though, I would. After the BOI found them in Wisconsin, they escaped. Dillinger snuck back into Chicago where he tried to live a normal life, quote unquote. He became a clerk. So the dude went back to work? Yeah. 
he became a clerk and just was like a clerk in a business. And and this is all under an alias. Nobody actually knows. Right. And he and he did it because he found that like the more the people, the less people know of him type of deal, you mm. know? So he like kind of hid in plain view. Right. Uh, but yeah, he worked as a, cl- a clerk and attended Cubs games. Like, that was his thing. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's like, okay, cool. Um, he didn't know that the BOI manhunt team mm-hmm. was located in Chicago. Like, they worked <laughs> out of Chicago. So they eventually found the car that he, like, drove in on, you know? Right. He's probably just some guy going out for coffee. Yeah. Like- <laughs> exactly. Um, and it had, like, blood stains from the shootout they had. So, because, like, Dillinger's just, like, Oh, just it, dropped it. Like, dro- like left it and walked right. away. Um, and they just found it. So they're like, well, he's in Chicago somewhere. we got to find him. June t- 1934, Dillinger met a woman who looked like his girlfriend. So it kind of, like, mm-hmm. got him thinking, oh, maybe I could date her. Um, which they did. It did not take very long for him to be like, hey, I want to date. Do you think that's flattering for somebody? Like, hey. Like, if I, if I go meet somebody this weekend at Walgreens, I'm like, hey, you look like my ex-girlfriend. That, that doesn't seem like a good move. No, not even a little bit. Yeah. No, because you don't want to be compared to anybody else. Right. Yeah. That's I hope like he didn't say it. especially an ex? <laughs> yeah. I hope he didn't say it. I hope he's not like, yeah, my girlfriend's in jail and you look like her. Can we date? Yeah. Like, <laughs> not a I'm also going to call you by her name and can you <laughs> use this perfume now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hope he didn't. I think he's too smooth for that. But while he was, like, hanging out with her and going on dates with her, she was a waitress at this point. But the BOI... she studied music? (laughs) So the BOI at this point received a call from a woman who was in fear of being deported. Like, she was being threatened to be deported. So she called the BOI and was like... She was being deported because she ran a brothel. So they were like, you're an immigrant and running a brothel. We don't like that here. Go back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. Get out, Type, you yeah. dirty immigrants. Yep. And so... I feel like I should say that I'm an immigrant. Like, <laughs> I, could, I could say that I'm one of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Before anyone but comes at me. You're not running a brothel. I'm going to get canceled. So that you know of. You're, you're, maybe you are running a brothel from your chapel. Yes. <laughs> well, so she, she didn't want to be deported, obviously. So she called the BOI and was like, hey, I know where Dillinger will be. Mm. This Friday or whatever he's going to make use of my brothel. He had in the past. Ah, okay. But she said she would give up the location of John Dillinger, and in return, they wouldn't deport her back to Europe. But this woman obtained his location from a former sex worker, Polly Hamilton, who was the girl dating John Dillinger at the time. Ooh. So we got a little backstab. I don't know if she purposely said, hey, I'm dating John Dillinger. Let the police know. Or if it was more like, I'm going to gossip with my friend about this guy right. I'm dating. Guess who I'm dating. Exactly. You'll never believe it. Right. And then she's like, ha, she's ha, like, ha Actually, I do believe it. And then we go tell ha, the cops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the woman told the BOI that Dillinger was attending or was going to take Polly on a date to see a movie. But she wasn't sure which theater it was going to be at. Mm-hmm. So the BOI split up their force into two groups to cover both theaters. And that's where we catch up to where we were at the I beginning of the story. there were only two theaters in Chicago at this point? No, I think there were more than that. But I think he, John Dillinger at the time was like, yeah, I'm thinking about taking her. We'll probably go to this theater to go see this movie, or we'll oh, go to this okay, theater right, right. to see this movie. That makes more sense. Yeah. 
So two bystanders. So right. So we're back at the beginning where he ran out of the theater mm. tried, and then was shot in the back. Two bystanders were injured during the event. I mean, there were a bunch more people, but two were injured. And then only this murder, I'm going to call it a murder, but this murder happened only two months after the Bonnie and Clyde shootout. Whoa. So it's crazy That's a how, like... bad couple months to be a gangster. Yes. While Dillinger was laying in the alley after he was murdered, people would... People who were bystanders and nearby and saw it happen, they would run up and, like, dip their scarves and clothings in the pool of blood. Oh, man. As, like, souvenirs. That's crazy. That's a step too far for me. The whole, like... It's that whole, like, I don't know, like, this, like, fascination with death. Like, yes, Like, yes. death is a super, it's morbid, but, like, it is super fascinating thing. It is thing. fast. It's interesting, yeah. That kind of, like, that reminds me of, like, when people would go, like, to public executions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like as a form of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Like, what are you doing? I'm taking, I got a new girlfriend. But, yeah, it's that weird, like, fascination with it. And so these people are just, like, newspapers, skirts, anything they had were, like, dipped in the blood, so they had it to, like. Man, that's nuts. Plus, I mean, like, John Dillinger at this point, like I said, was yeah, a huge legend. figure. Yeah, notorious, infamous type person. But his body was available for public display at the county morgue, and around 15,000 people visited his body. Could you imagine them doing that now? Like, I don't know, who, like, El Chapo. Like, if we, is El Chapo, I don't even know, is he alive or dead? That's an excellent question. I'm not all. sure. But Even someone if, of that stature, yeah, for like, sure. If if we caught him, and first off, he died in a shootout, and then we're like, I'm going to go dip my Nikes <laughs> right, in that. Exactly. Cool, thanks, bro. And then we take him to the morgue, and they're just like, yeah, come on. Come look at it. Like, we would never do that now. No. I wonder why they did that. I wonder if it was like a, like a proof that he's dead. Like, don't worry. You don't have to be afraid of this guy anymore. He's dead. I think that's part of it. I wonder how much money they made off of it. Oh, yeah, they charge admission. I mean, um, why not? Would be stupid not to. City Morgue needs money. <laughs> <laughs> you said Nikes. I just picture, like, people with Air Jordans with, like, blood stains on them. Like. I was 100% thinking Air Jordans, too. I don't know why. I don't own any. I don't know what this says about Air Jordan owners. Me either. But that's, I don't know. But, yeah, the proof that he's dead is an interesting point, and I'll bring that up in just a second. But bef- before we get into all of that, we're going to take a short break plan a heist, catch a Cubs game. Please don't keep dried blood as a souvenir because that's just not okay. (laughs) And we'll be right back. Now we're going to talk about a fascinating piece of information that happened recently, as in 2019-2020 recently. It's too recent. (laughs) The niece and nephew of Dillinger were going to partner with the History Channel to exhume John Dillinger's body because many people believe that he was not murdered. Whoa. In fact, John Dillinger had plastic surgery a month before his alleged death. First off, they did plastic surgery back then? Yeah. I can't guarantee... I guess it was post-war, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's when, like, I feel like the war is what, After like... After World War One, yeah. Great Depression. Yeah, that's when they, like, started, like, trying plastic surgery. Because yeah. guys come back and they would, like, have to repair ears right, and stuff. Right, right. We're not talking Botox or the, <laughs> like, the freeze chamber or the <laughs> micro-needling. Yeah, none of that, but... <laughs> John Judge was the first guy to use Botox. <laughs> My eyebrows need a little shaping. Do you mind... <laughs> you do this. Uh, no, yeah, he uh, had plastic surgery. So a lot of people are like... That is not John Dillinger who you shot outside the Biograph Theater. In fact, you're just saying it is, so you cover up. You screwed up. Right. That never happens. No, never. So March 1934, John Dillinger met with a couple of doctors to discuss plastic surgery. They planned for the surgery to take place at the end of May and would cost Dillinger $5,000. Chump change for him. Makes sense, yeah. The doctors removed a couple of moles on his forehead and filled in a scar on his nose and one on his lip. And then a few days later, Dillinger returned to the plastic surgeons and had his fingertips burned off, as well as mm. other work done on his face. But nobody nobody else went into detail about what else was done. So basically just to be like, this isn't me. I'm hiding. Right. Genius. Especially when he's going under another alias. It's kind of like, now I can create this entirely new person. Honestly, the best use of plastic surgery I've ever heard of. I agree. <laughs> like, I know, like, not to, like, crap on anyone who's, like, if that makes you feel better with your, like, you know, adjustments of your face. Right. Good for you. Like, I'm not going to knock you for it. Right. This is the best use of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Though, unfortunately, both doctors who, like, worked on him were arrested after oh, he was murdered. tried to hide a criminal. Right. Makes sense. Not only did people think that that's not John Dillinger because he had all this plastic surgery, uh-huh. but there's also been claims that the eye color was different uh-huh. between John Dillinger and this. And there's guy. no way they could have done that at that point. Like, no way. I don't even. Can you do that now? I feel like probably. Uh, contacts, but I, I don't know. <laughs> A couple other nicknames that we talked about Slippery John and America's favorite bank robber. He was also public enemy number one. Mm hmm. John Dillinger was also referred to as Robin Hood, because I think he gave a lot of money to the poor and stuff like that. So he's nice in that aspect, but maybe not murder people. Yeah. Other than the whole murdery thing. Right. There's an amazing... So I'm a big Formula One racing fan. Yeah. And there's a classic commentator who just died this season, Mm -hmm. and he has this amazing quote. It said something along the lines of, there's nothing wrong with that car other than the fact it's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically like, the car's doing great. If they just put out the fire, that would car would win the race. And it was one of those, you're like, you're, yeah, you're technically right. That is the issue with that car at the moment. But it is quite an issue. The fire probably happened because of how the car is. So I don't want to. <laughs> I think it had been, like, in a crash or something like yeah, that. But, gotcha. like, yeah. It was just this, like, I, that commentator was, like, this guy called Murray Walker was, yeah. like, notorious for those sort of, like, yeah. goofy things. That's funny. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the car apart from it being on fire. One of the funny things I think about this whole case is that the BUI, Jagger Hoover, spent $2 million in their money to catch John Dillinger, which was far more money than he ever stole, right? (laughs) Like, we're dropping $2 million to catch someone who took... Five hundred thousand, maybe a little, or less than that. Is that all he took on the Corpus? What did I say? I think he said. I think I said three hundred some thousand. 
which today is 6.6, 6, but back then it was like 300,000. Right. Back then, he, they spent $2 million. Wow. Which is insane. So it's like, you talk, I don't know. It just seems What's little, your ROI on that? Yeah. <laughs> is it worth it? <laughs> you just lost 2,334. How many people did he kill? 10. 10? Or his gang killed 10. Gang killed, yeah. So I feel like. There's some that say he personally didn't kill anybody. Oh, and that's how he stayed above board, maybe? Like yeah. little Al Capone, where they had to get him on taxes. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't know. We're going to talk about the haunting real quick. Yes. There have been reports of a bluish male apparition who would run down the alley, stumble... And then as they're falling, they disappear. Mm. Which honestly would be creepy if I see someone running and then they disappear into the ground. You know, that'd be terrifying. But I've never heard of a bluish ghost, you know? See, that's, yeah, that's the, like, that sounds straight about, like, somebody watched that in a movie. Yeah. You know when you're, like, watching a movie and you're falling asleep and you're in between and then you wake up the next morning and you're like, did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened to me once in college watching Rocky Horror. Okay. A crazy movie to fall asleep to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm still not sure what happened in that movie and what happened in real life. That's fair. I don't think the people who wrote it know what happened (laughs) in that movie. (laughs) So I wonder if it was like, because that's, yeah, like the bluish. And that's such a specific. It's super specific. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is haunted in the sense that, like, he was murdered by the police. And then the people who murdered him were kind of praised for it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's kind of that like it's a shitty circumstance. It's like if I, if you do believe in ghosts and you are murdered and there really isn't any justice for it, it's like right. I want to come back and haunt your ass. I'm pissed. But if it isn't John Dillinger and some other guy, I'd also be pissed. I'm not John Dillinger. You're killing me for what reason? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm more likely, so again, me being super skeptical yeah, yeah. on the whole ghost thing, I'm more likely to believe somebody who was not John Dillinger getting shot would be haunted. Yeah, yeah, Because they thought it was him. Right. John Dillinger, it's kind of like, well, I kind of deserve that. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> there is some sense of justice, like, yeah, yeah, you got me. Fair, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good game, good game. Yeah. Good game. <laughs> um, there's these other, you know, the typical ghost feelings, you know, cold spells, mm-hmm. shadows, uh, feeling of horror and stuff like that. But that's the main thing that people will see or allegedly seeing the is like a ghost or an apparition running down the alley, falling and disappearing, which that's your whole life. That's kind of sucks over and over and over, just falling onto the ground. Yeah. <laughs> So why, I wonder, like, why he falls through the street and doesn't just, like, end up on the street where he would have ended up. That's a good question. This is my issue with, like, ghost stuff. It's just, like, I feel like if you, like, look at it for, like, two seconds, you're like, well, that doesn't line up. Why would it be that way? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've definitely experienced things of my own, and I don't have an explanation for any of the shit that I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... I feel like for the most part, there is some sort of reasoning or explanation. Or you, there, right. you can piece something together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like this is a little out there. Yeah. So this building that we're in right now, mm-hmm. this, so 
I'll just say it. we're in the Quincy Crack Center, the Salvation Army he has down here. It's a massive building. Yeah. Right. I walked around with Blake. It's big, right? So there have been times where I'm the only one in here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the last one out. It's like late. Um, this is a, you know, this building's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it, it's full of activity throughout the day. Right. At night, you know, it's, it's a bit creepy because it's so big. Yeah. And it makes a lot, like the building makes a lot of noise. Yeah. Like there's lots of creaks. There's lots of doors that just like shift into place. Yes. And like, it's kind of freaky when you hear, but I'm like, I'm more freaked out because I'm just like, oh, somebody else is here. They're not supposed to be. Right. Right. I'm never like, oh, there's a ghost. Well, I don't think that's ever. Yeah. That's, I talked about this earlier. I, it's kind of with someone else who's more skeptical towards ghosts and stuff like that. It's like, maybe your first thought shouldn't be ghost. You know, right. <laughs> if you hear something strange or see something move or something, your first thought would be like, okay, at least my first thought is never paranormal it's always like yeah like you said who's in this building yeah and then if you look around and you can't find anybody then Mm -hmm. it becomes like okay who was in here right or you know things like that so that's my like rational like yeah ghosts are not real now there have been times where i'm walking through even this building and like it's like our chapel when Mm -hmm. like all the lights are off it's just me right walking out where like i get like weirdly freaked out yeah and I'm like, this is so stupid. It's so rational. And somebody once told me that, like, you know, they're like stupid old wives' tales that you're like, I don't know if it's stupid or, is it, you know, but somebody's like, you know, if ghosts hear music, they can't, like, they can't, which yeah, is yeah. so stupid, yeah. right? But I think another one of, the, like, the where that might have been, it was like, if we're talking, like, not just, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah. If we're talking, like, like demons, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which I do believe there's, like, that, right. I think that's, like demonic possession like we hear about that right yeah, yeah i've heard that though like if if in that case like the demons if that's a real thing mm-hmm. which I, yeah i think they are that they cannot be around music especially if it's like for me being a christian like mm-hmm. they can't be around christian music interesting so i will as much as i don't think like i'm not into like casper yeah, yeah. if i'm walking through this chapel at night and it's like 10 p.m it's just me yeah, yeah. you better believe i'm whistling some christian <laughs> song just in case yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Which is usually because I've usually got some, like, you know, band piece with a hand right. that we've just rehearsed. So I've normally got something stuck in my head. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just whistling Armored Christian Soldiers because right. we just rehearsed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the demons that I think are in here. We'll have to – we'll visit the alley that I talked about and see if yes. we uh, feel or see anything. Yes. And then afterward, we'll go see a show at the Victoria Garden that used yes. to be the Biograph Theater. Absolutely. Why not? Um, have you experienced anything – Odd, and I don't want to say ghosts, but like anything that you can't explain, or I don't, I don't actually think I have. But it, like again, just me being like cynical with it. Yeah. Anytime I like hear something, I'm like, it's the aircon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, so maybe somebody who was like, like a bit more like, I don't know, sensitive to that, or like right, right, right. would be like, oh, for sure, that was a ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like I recently there was a friend who's. They have some, like, recordings from mm-hmm. a, a building or something. It's, like, the security cam. And, like, mm-hmm. at that point, they were over that building, so they had access. Right. And they saved the video. And they're like, look, see, there's something that flew through. And I went, that's friggin' dust. Like, that is dust, 100%. Right, I was right, like, right. yeah, definitely. But I'm like, come on, that's dust. Well, there's so much that, like, uh, even that show on Netflix about animals, and they use, like, uh, x-ray 
they use a certain kind of x-ray and certain kind of camera access that we have now to view things on nature, like plants or animals that okay. we can't see with the naked eye. Okay. So it's kind of that idea of like, we have technology now that can see things that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it is a bug that flew by or something, you know, right. or some particles in the air that we can't see with our naked mm-hmm. eye with the camera picked up, you know? Yeah. You know, I think part of the issue is like what doesn't help if you want to convince me that like ghosts are real. Yeah. Are the ghost hunting shows. Oh, no, those are like, shit. Those are like <laughs> part of my like issue with like ghosts are like ghost hunting, hunting shows where you're like. Yeah, those are not good. Yeah. Like you shouting into like this, like we've got this thing that went yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, your cell phone probably went off. Like, I watch those for the comedy aspect and right. nothing else. <laughs> I, a few friends, we did like a like a parody of that. We called good. it like Ghost Hunters or something. And like, and I recently did it in like, it would have been like 2006 yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. Like on our first like digital cameras. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, it is, it is incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm going to read you a listener's story. I don't want to call it a ghost story because it's not really like ghost centric. I saw the profile. I thought it was somebody else. Never mind. I mean, you do know this person. Do I? So he wrote, I grew up in Essex, Illinois, which is a town of 500-ish people. 500, that's so small. Which is insane. Yeah. There's some towns around here that are like that. It's crazy. I'm sure your high school was similar, but my high school was 2,700 kids. Mm-hmm. My high Our school. sister high school was 25. We were about 1,800. Still, more yeah. than 500 people Three in a town. Three times more of that <laughs> exactly. town. My graduating class is more than 500. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he said there's an interesting rumor about the town. There's a cemetery on a hill next to the subdivision I grew up in. The subdivision was very new when we moved there as was the cemetery. The cemetery is on a large enough hill that we went sledding down it as long as we could avoid the broken glass and needles, <laughs> possibly pregnancy <laughs> that results from spending that time there. Um, finally, someone explained to me why the cemetery was on a hill in the cornfield world. They built the cemetery close to around the same time as the subdivision, and according to this person whose family has been there for a long time, when the land was originally being moved there, they discovered a body. Well, at first it was, it was a body. John Dillinger. <laughs> the only person. <laughs> no. At first it was a body. Then it was bodies. Lots of them. Like a crazy amount. There were so many that no one looked into who these people were and why they were, they were there. And it would have been a pain in an and it would have been a pain in the ass to bury them all. So they left them there and built a cemetery and half a subdivision on a mass grave. What? Which I don't think is probably a good idea. That's a little less a little much. Yeah. Like, That's just, like, bad. Yeah. Like, even if someone who's not, like, a bad vibes person, like, I'm not just like, ooh, vibes. I'm like, That's bad vibes. But, like, you're That's just bad asking juju. for something. Yeah. yeah. It's... Like, if, the, if a murder happens there, if you're, you're going to go, of course. Right. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for all also, these. Also, I feel like if we discover one body, like, that's concerning. If yeah. I discover a whole bunch, that's making me more wanting to find out what's oh, happening. Not going like, right. oh, this would be a pain. Exactly. Come on, so, Essex, get it together. So, the cemetery that's on the hill is now a double-decker cemetery, essentially. Because you have the new bodies that are being buried there, and then the ones that are were there before they moved in. 
people's homes are built in the area with well water. So it's weird to think that our tap water may have had human remains in it. 100%. Are you kidding me? Anyways, I've heard this from multiple sources, but no one has substantiated the rumor for me. And there's no records of it. And this is from Will. Hi, Will. I wonder if what his town is talking about, maybe it was like an Indian reservation. Or I don't want to call it a reservation, but like Native American burial grounds. Right. Um, and since he said they didn't take the time to look at who these people were, it very well could be, you know, na- mm-hmm. people native to the land and stuff, burying their loved ones. But Which, again, if you're into, like, juju and vibes, like, there's yeah. all the stories about people like being, you know, building on top of a... Exactly. Yeah. If you believe in all that, I'm sure there are houses that are haunted in that town. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. if there's going to be a house haunted, it's going to be one that's buried on top of an unmarked burial ground. <laughs> That no one spent any time learning about. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's the crazy part about that story is, like, the people would just go, like, ah, oh, this is inconvenient. All right. We'll pave over this part we'll then. We'll literally and figuratively bury it and yeah. move on with our lives. Yeah. It's not, uh, I don't know, it's not a great feeling. That's it. They're, like, I don't know, one of the, I've heard it said a few times throughout the past year. When yeah. People talking about, like, um, these conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. You're like, if you genuinely think that we could get this many people to believe this thing right. that you don't agree with, mm-hmm. you've never worked with people. Yeah. Like, you cannot, like, I can't get a, you know, a room full of musicians to agree <laughs> what tempo a piece should right. be. How do you think I can get all these people to try and cover up a mass grave? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to live in a house over a mass grave. I love that story, though. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Well, John, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Y'all can follow the podcast at Haunted Hometowns on Instagram and Twitter for photos and the guests from all the episodes. And again, I'd love to hear your stories. So email hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com with your ghost stories or literally anything paranormal or something you can't explain. Could be anything from a ghost whispering, you look terrible. <laughs> To a shadow shifting while you have sleep paralysis, let me know. And John Weller, where can they find listen to you? They can find me. I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I don't know, just send me. Up. I accept everyone on Facebook, which <laughs> I feel like I probably shouldn't do, but I do. Uh, but on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Johnny Weller, J O N N I E Weller. Cute. It is very cute. It's been my like. It's there were like three people when I was like junior high who called me Johnny yeah, and that yeah. just happened to be right about the time where social media took off right. and so I was like alright Johnny course, Weller yeah. and that is everything <laughs> so if you're on a social media thing and you want to find me I don't know why you would I mean you're a musician people follow you just for that Twitter's become my, uh, my hot takes spot good I will tag John so y'all can find him yeah uh, yeah so follow Haunted Hometown so you know where to find him there you go Nice. Uh, you don't want to integration there. Write it down or remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if you're driving, don't take your phone off and like throw me on Twitter. Right. Exactly. Which I listen to all my podcasts when I'm driving. Yeah, so. 100%. I got some of this information from Wikipedia, FBI.gov, and the History Channel, History.com. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz. M-U-N-O-Z. But then there's the music, which is by Tyre. Uh, For boys like me. F-O-R, boys like me. 